for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, now as we come to this gift that you have given to us, the gift of your words to us, uh, we come needy. Uh, we come needing your help. We come needing your help not just to understand what we read, but we come needing your help to understand in a way that changes us. We come desperate for you to keep your promise for your spirit to be with us, for your spirit to convict us of sin, for your spirit to lead us to repentance, for your spirit to nourish our faith and to produce fruit in our lives. And so we ask for the power of your spirit's work this morning as we consider these words that you have given to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know that my family and I lived for a couple of years in Malawi, Africa. And Malawi is one of the places in the world where a good bit of business is done in open-air markets. And, And some people love that. Um, I hated it. Uh, I found it incredibly stressful and disorienting because the entire time that you're shopping, uh, people are shouting at you, okay? So, so these vendors are, are calling out, sir, sir, madam, madam, trying to get your attention on what they are trying to sell. It was very disorienting. Uh, we don't do a lot of shopping in open-air markets here, loud and noisy open-air markets, but Aren't our lives like that a lot of times? Aren't our lives full of voices, often confusing, often disorienting, often stressful, voices calling for our attention, calling for our affections, for our desires, for our time, for ourselves? Isn't our world a noisy one? I mean, by the end of... Last week, my kids could quote verbatim the Walmart Black Friday commercial. And that's not just in the world of retail, in the world of advertising. When you turn on the television, you look at social media, you have conversation with friends and family, don't you hear the noise? Don't you hear the chaotic, political, cultural sounds around you? And it's not just external sounds. It's not just external voices. It's, it's internal ones as well. Uh, sounds of, of shame. Uh, sounds of loneliness. Of, of emptiness. Of fear. Well, we need to hear another noise. We need to hear another voice. We need to hear comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. And so the goal for this morning 
As we consider Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1, the goal is to turn up the volume knob on these voices. The voices that we find in these passages, I want to turn up the sound on them. Because so much would change if this became for us a time of listening. If this week, this season and beyond it, was a time where we listened to the voices that we find here. So, with that goal in mind, I want to ask a couple of questions. In these passages, in Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1, who is speaking and what are they saying? Who is speaking, what are they saying? First of all, who is speaking? That's a really difficult question to answer in Isaiah chapter 40. There seem to be several different speakers here, and it's a little bit confusing, and there's some debate about who is saying what. Uh, But what has helped me to make some sense of what's going on in this chapter is to see these verses in connection with Isaiah chapter 6. You remember Isaiah 6? Maybe some of you know it. It's this very famous scene. Isaiah, the prophet, has a vision, and he's in the heavenly throne room of God. And there are these angelic beings who are calling out and singing about God. And Isaiah hears words, a message from God that he was to take as a prophet to the people of God. And Christopher Seitz, who's an Old Testament scholar, makes a very convincing case that in Isaiah 40, as Isaiah 40 begins a new section in this book, we are back in the throne room. We are back in that throne room hearing Voices speak about God, and hearing the voice of God speaking to Isaiah and saying, here is my message that I want you to take to my people. Now that has some important things to say about the authority of these words. These, are the, these words bear the authority of the divine king speaking through his chosen human messenger. But I think there's an even further point that this context makes. I think this context of being in the throne room of God, of of Isaiah hearing all the noise there and hearing the voice of God giving him a message that he was to take to the people, I think that context reinforces the message of verses 6 to 8. Where there's this contrast between the brevity of human life and the endurance of the Word of God. Now, why are those things two different? Why are those two things different? Why is human life and God's Word, why are they different? Because the words of God don't originate in the fickle, ever-changing circumstances of life in the world. The words of God don't originate in human culture that is constantly changing. These words, this message of comfort, originate in the eternal, heavenly throne room of the divine King. So, you can trust them. You can trust this voice that comes from God through his prophet. You can trust what he says. You see, this isn't like studies. You know, you know what I'm saying? We're always hearing, hey, studies say this, or studies say that. 
And as frustrating, isn't it, that studies are, seem to often be saying very different things. So one week, studies say, coffee good for you. Next week, studies say, coffee, the origin of all bad things in the world, including the bubonic plague. <laughs> right? Studies are always saying something different. God's word is different. Comfort, comfort my people. That message, that voice isn't like that. It doesn't belong to the ever-changing voices around us. It is the voice of heaven's throne. It is the voice of the eternal king. And so, as Mark connects John the Baptist to the voices in Isaiah 40. Did you catch that? How Mark quotes this chapter and then connects John the Baptist to these voices. As he does that, he is saying you can trust him. You can trust this crazy hippie living out in the desert. He's not just a curiosity. He is the voice of God's throne. His message, as he says, repent. As he says, prepare for the one who is coming. As he points to Jesus as the one who brings the kingdom of God. His message is the echo of heaven on earth. And so you can trust him. You can trust what he says about your sin. You can trust what he says about Jesus. And what Jesus does about your sin. And that's true not only of Isaiah and of John the Baptist, but it's true of all of Scripture. These books that God has given to us, they were written by His chosen messengers. And so they come from His voice through them to us. And so these words that God has given to us, they originate in the eternal throne room of God. Not in the ever-shifting messages of the culture around us. In Scripture, we hear the voice of the throne. We hear the echo of heaven on earth. And so you can trust it. You can come, and in the cacophony of sounds around you, you can find a solid voice. You can find something that is trustworthy, that will last. So, amid all the sounds around you in this season, will you listen to what is lasting? Will you take time to listen to what is lasting. So I'm going to take this convenient opportunity to invite you to join us in community Bible reading. There are journals on that back table and we've printed new schedules for the new year and I want to invite you to that practice. And I want you to understand that the practice of daily Bible reading is not a measure of your spirituality. It is not a measure of how much God likes you or doesn't like you by how much you read or don't read. 
It is also not a magic formula that if you read your Bible, everything's just going to go great. What it is, is it is a tool to help us listen to the sound of God's throne. It is a tool to help us come to the words that originate in the eternal throne room of the King. And so let me also take this convenient opportunity to invite you to tonight. <laughs> what we're doing tonight in our lessons and carol service is not just a quaint and fun tradition. As we read scripture and sing in response to scripture tonight, we are taking time to hear the echo of heaven on And so I want to invite you not only that to that, but into the life of our church as well. As we gather here on Sundays, as we gather in community groups, would you come with us as we take time to listen to the echo of heaven on earth, to bring ourselves to this trustworthy voice. Now, that is an intimidating invitation sometimes. I mean, in, in community Bible reading this week, we started the book of Revelation, <laughs> right? Confusing, baffling, intimidating. It is sometimes intimidating to come to Scripture, both because of the authority Scripture claims and, and just trying to understand what the Bible is saying. And so let's ask a second question. If we take time to listen, what will we hear? If Isaiah and John and all of Scripture is the voice of the divine king coming through God's chosen human messengers, what are they saying? Second question, what are they saying? And listen, I, I tried to get us away from the book of Exodus this morning. But I, Isaiah and Mark won't let it. Okay, because the message here in these passages are the message of the book of Exodus. They are a message about a journey. The message about a journey through the wilderness into something better, right? You hear that in Isaiah, in Mark? And there are two travelers on this journey, on this trip. First of all, there's God. Verses 3 to 5 of Isaiah 40. God is coming. He's traveling through the desert, and so make a highway for him. And what is the result of God's trip? Verse 5, his glory will be revealed. All the earth will see, will experience his majesty, his splendor, his greatness. Now remember Exodus. God travels through the desert, right? He travels visibly present as a cloud and a pillar of fire, often called God's glory. Often called the glory cloud of God's presence. And he states explicitly in Exodus, the reason I am doing all of this is so that all the earth, not just Israel, but all the earth, will know that I am the Lord. And God, as God travels, he doesn't travel alone. He has a companion. He brings his people with him. So verses 9 and 10 repeat what we've already heard. They say, hey, God is coming. 
And he's bringing fireworks. He's bringing justice. He's bringing righteousness. But as he comes, he comes as a shepherd for those who belong to him. He comes and he gently gathers and protects and leads them to life. So that the result of this trip is not only glory for God, but verse 11, it is compassion for his people. It is this transforming grace shown to his people as he treats them as a shepherd, as he cares for them, as he gently leads them. Now, you need to hear this message about this journey that leads to glory and compassion. You need to hear it in a bit of context. I've already mentioned that Isaiah 40 begins a new section in the book of Isaiah. And the first section of Isaiah, chapters 1 to 39, um, not a happy message there. Uh, Predominantly in these chapters, we find, not exclusively, but predominantly, we find the message of judgment. Isaiah says to the people of God, the nation of Israel, he says to them, you have been conquered by brutal empires, the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Your homeland has been devastated. You have been displaced. You have been exiled. You now live in a difficult foreign environment. Why? Well, Isaiah says it's, it's because God is a judge. And because you, his people, you have broken the covenant with him. You've persistently turned and worshipped other gods. You have consistently lived in ways that are in opposition to his desires, to his will for you. And so you have experienced God as a judge. And so for 39 chapters, it is barrage after barrage of darkness, sorrow, pain. And then chapter 40, God says to Isaiah, you've disturbed my people. Now comfort them. They've known me as a judge. And now they will know me as a gentle shepherd. Because I am taking them on a trip. And it's kind of like the Exodus, only it's better. I am taking them on a trip out of sin and all of its consequences and into life, into glory, into compassion. They will know me not as a harsh judge, but as a gentle shepherd. You remember, I think it was 2010, the, the Chilean miners' accident kind of grabbed the world's attention. And everyone was watching and waiting, hoping that these 33 miners would be rescued. And there was this moment uh, when we began to hear rumors, hey, the rescuers, they think they found a way out. They're going to get them out. They're coming. They're, they're, they're going to get out. And all of the television cameras are, are focused on this hole in the ground. And everyone is waiting and waiting and looking And then all of a sudden, the head of the first miner pops up above the surface. And everything explodes into celebration. That's Isaiah 40. Years and years of the dark underground of judgment. And then, 
comfort. Comfort my people. I am on a trip through the desert and I am bringing them with me and the end will be glory. Compassion. Forgiveness. Their sins are done. They are forgiven. New life. And this message is not only like that for the ancient Israelites who originally heard Isaiah's message. It's like that for us as well. We're standing there watching the whole and seeing hope pop up. Why? Well, because Mark takes this message about a journey, this message about a new exodus, and he says, that happens in Jesus. That happens in Jesus, this trip through the wilderness that leads to glory, compassion, forgiveness, and new life. That happens in him. Think about what John the Baptist does. Think about the symbolism. He goes out into the desert, right? He says, repent, prepare, and then what does he do? He baptizes people in the Jordan. Why? Well, because when God led his people on the exodus, he led them through the wilderness, across the Jordan River, into the promised land. And John is saying, Mark is saying, God is doing it again, only better. He's doing it again, only better. This is the new exodus. And how does that journey happen? Well, John points to Jesus. And he says it happens in him. It happens in the one who who John isn't even worthy to tie his shoes. It happens in the one who who won't baptize with, with water, but will baptize with fire, the symbol of God's glorious presence. It happens through the one who John calls the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. Because of sin, we hear the disturbing message of God as judge. Because of Jesus, we hear the comforting message of God as shepherd. You see what God does in Jesus? The shepherd becomes a sheep. He becomes a lamb who is sacrificed for our sins so that we can know him not as harsh judge, but as gentle shepherd. And so the good news of Isaiah 40 becomes the gospel of Mark chapter 1. And that message, the message of the gospel, that's what the Bible is saying. This voice that echoes heaven into earth, it is saying good news, comfort. The Lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world so that He can lead you from sin and judgment into forgiveness and new life. So will you listen? Will you listen to the voice of God's throne saying good news? When you hear the voice of greed, will you listen to the immeasurable generosity of God shown through Jesus Christ.
When you hear the voice of fear, will you listen to the sound of the one who has conquered death? When you hear those voices of shame and loneliness, will you listen to your shepherd as he says, I have, I, I have died to make you my own. I died and rose from the dead to say to you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And as we listen, let's also learn to speak. As we hear the good news, the gospel of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, will you also ask yourself, how can I join that voice? How can I echo heaven's message to someone in my life this week, this month? So as you walk out those doors into the noisy and chaotic marketplace, full of voices calling for your attention, my prayer is that you will hear the sound of heaven saying, Comfort. Comfort my people. And that you would learn to echo that sound to this world. Let's pray.